0: Need long legs, don't you, to get up that stage? And uh, fortunately, I have, so we're, we're okay. Um, Ian and Jane, lovely couple, aren't they? And uh, they live they live near me in Sholing. Uh, that's where I am, and uh, so they've helped me with the children's club. And Jane and I, I th- where's Jane gone again? I've lost her eyesight there. We we did the balloon festival, did anyone remember the balloon festival in Southampton? Those of you who've been around for a while. Uh, before the cuts. And uh, so we used to do a tent, didn't we, at the Balloon Festival. Uh, Jane sang and I messed around. So, And someone else bought some sensible content. Who was that? Nick Pollard as well. So um, it's really good to to be here today. I've been uh, going around different churches in Southampton uh, since March. And just talking about the fostering adoption uh, crisis that there is really in Southampton and in the UK as well. And uh, we met with the city council back in November and we said with all these cuts that are coming through, about 20 million pound cuts to the city council, 7 million to children's services, we said is there there any way that the church could help because it affects us all when families and children are affected in a city. And uh, they said one area is fostering that we're probably about 40 houses short of what we need for our city. And if we don't have normal foster carers like Ian and Jane, normal foster carers like Ian and Jane, then we have to go to independent foster agencies which charge a lot of money. So I, I and a few others, we said, well, we could probably find 40 places for children. We could probably find these 40 keys uh, that people could have access to people's homes to be fostered. Uh, or adopted. And so we said that believing that God places the lonely in families, as it says in Psalm 68 verse 6. So my friend made up this piece of artwork and stuck 40 keys on and this scripture that God places the lonely in families. Uh, They're obviously not house keys because they're more like castle keys or something, aren't they? Ridiculous. Uh, But we presented this to the city council and said that's our commitment to find 40 new homes. For me, uh, you may not know this about me, but when I was 15, my family disintegrated. Uh, my 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 dad was in a bad way. Uh, my mum and dad broke up, and so I went to school in the morning. And when I came home in the evening, my family had completely disbanded, and uh, I found myself with no home to live in uh, at the age of 16. And so, what happened to me? I, I was trying to get get grades and trying to get to the University of Southampton uh, so I needed to get some good grades to do a good course with my friend Nicholas Mann and uh, so I was I, but I didn't have a place to stay and uh, it was a local vicar who said well you can have a key to my house and just like this key here he gave me a key and said you can come and stay with us and uh, I actually stayed with him I thought I'd be there for a couple of months I was there for three years uh, so I, I stayed with him uh, he looked after me Uh, My parents contributed towards some food while I was there. while they sought out their own uh, housing situation. And uh, then I came to university here and uh, met Nick Mann on the first day. And then when Christmas came, I didn't have a home to go back to, you see. So uh, like a lot of students, just like, where do I go? And the vicar said, you're you're always welcome here. So uh, this vicar let me into his house. And uh, through that first year at university, I went back for my holidays uh, through there I was cared for and looked after by uh, a church and so this is very important to, to me you know personally that we help people who find themselves through no fault of their own just lost without a family or people to care for them dazzling uh, as, as well as that God brings us into his family which is what we've been celebrating together this morning is that God has initiated that we know him as father that Jesus has died on a cross and made a possible a way open for us to step into being part of God's family with our sin paid for by the death of Jesus. And then it says as well that the Holy Spirit then confirms that we are sons and daughters of God, that we don't feel outside of God's family, do we? But God's Holy Spirit helps us to feel part of God's family. And so when we think about adoption and fostering, there's a greater picture, isn't it, about how God adopts each one of us as we open our hearts to him and receive that good news I um, yeah I'll leave that I, I will look at a scripture with you uh, in a minute from 2 Samuel 9 which is really good at illustrating what fostering is all about but these are, these are the facts that there are every 22 minutes a child enters the care system in the UK there's now about 500 children in care in Southampton and uh, we've said that we'll try and find 40 uh, new homes so that was back in March uh, as we've been going around the churches, we've actually had 46 people come forward uh, to be foster carers or adopters and are in the process uh, with the city council. So we ha- had a really good response from people. There's still a big need because there are more and more children going into care, um, and the numbers are, are still rising sharply. The Jimmy Savile case, actually, uh, and so on, it just heightens people's uh, risk factors and actually more people have gone into care as a result of all that media uh, that's happened through this year. Are we going forwards or backwards here? We're going backwards, aren't we? Uh, we met with the city council, as I said, there's been an unprecedented increase in number of children coming into care in the last two or three years since the baby P uh, case that was on TV, and we've been cr- recruiting new carers. Since we've started this campaign... City Council have had a 50% increase in the number of inquiries uh, to them. So it's been a really successful campaign from this, I think. Krish uh, Kandai, my, my friend, who works on this nationally, uh, who's concerned about the 4,500 children waiting for adoption in the UK, 8,000 more foster families that are needed. I spoke to him on Thursday. He said he was with Liverpool City Council uh, this week. They're paying an external agency to find foster carers. Uh, they paid them £100,000. And in a year, that foster agency has found three foster carers. So when you compare Air Campaign, which has cost uh, us £500 to do, and we found 46 new people, it's very good value for money, isn't it? And so I'm writing to Liverpool City Council. But what we're trying to say, well, actually, churches are in a good place. There are people within there that could respond, but also provide support for people like your Ian and James who actually make that move? They need supportive people around. A lot of the people who go forward for foster care adoption, one of the big questions they're asked, well, who's going to support you? And they don't have the luxury of saying, my church group or my friends from a connect group, house group. What do you call them here? <laughs> house group. And so, and so, other people. Could, so we are in a strong position compared to a lot of people to actually say, well, we could find foster carers. I want to just tell you uh, one story from Scripture. Uh, which is about King David as you know he was from a large family um, and he was sent to Saul's army he wasn't as big as the other guys was he Um, in his family he was the youngest Goliath was there wasn't he taunting Saul and Goliath was nine foot tall remember the Sunday school story and Saul was actually heads and shoulders it says doesn't it above other people so Saul was probably eight foot nine foot tall as well so when it came to the battle with Goliath it should have been Saul that took on the fight shouldn't it but actually, um, he, was, he was afraid, and the whole of Israel were afraid of Goliath. So it was David that stepped forward, and David, um, as we know, slung the stone and killed Goliath. David was then chased by Saul, wasn't he? The murderer Saul, many times. He threw a spear at him, and there were many times when he could have tried to kill him. And then eventually David waited, didn't he? He didn't usurp Saul's position. He didn't take him. Uh, He could have killed him himself, but he decided to wait. And then when it was the right time, he became king. And, uh, And the interesting story I want to pick up with you is from 2 Samuel chapter 9, when David says, who can I show kindness to from the house of Saul, from the house of Jonathan? And so, I don't know if you've read this story before, but David is there now in a settled life. You know, he'd been a ranger, I guess, a sort of lone ranger for many times, hasn't he, roaming around. But he's now king. He now reigns over Israel. And 2 Samuel chapter 9 is the story of Mephibosheth. Say it all together. Mephibosheth. You're mumbling. (laughs) So 2 Samuel 9, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba, your servant? He replied. The king asked, Is there still no one left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. "'Where is he?' the king asked. Ziba answered, "'He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar.'" Only glad you weren't asked to do the reading today? So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machia, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, "'Mephibosheth, your servant,' he replied. "'Don't be afraid,' David said to him, "'for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan.'" I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. But Shibeth Seth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandsons everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him, bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth's grandson of your master will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servants do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's households were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate. At the king's table, and he was crippled in both feet. If um, you take nothing else away from this morning, it's this question that David asked in, in verse 3 it says, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show the kindness of God? And if you think about our lives, if we asked ourselves a paraphrase of that question every day and said, Who can I show the kindness of God to today? Who, when I'm, I'm here today, who can I show? the kindness of God to. What a way to live our lives, you know, what a revolution it would be if we just took that as our starting point of every day. David um, proactively found out that there was this person, Mephibosheth, who was uh, alone and was in need. And when he brought him to him, Mephibosheth said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? And when Mephibosheth comes to David, he's afraid. Uh, He thinks nothing of himself And uh, he considers himself less than worthless. And he's terrified that the king is going to exact a revenge on him for all that Saul has done to try and murder him over those years. So he's terrified. And uh, when we think about fostering, actually this is quite a picture of how children arrive into the foster homes. Susanna and I have been fostering the last three years. And when children come in, they can be terrified. They can think nothing of themselves. They can consider themselves less than worthless. They come out with phrases that they shouldn't come out with. And we probably all know people like that in life, don't we, who consider their worth to be really low, to not be seen as anything of value, but they get, they've been treated badly, and many people feel they deserve to be treated badly. And that's what Mephibosheth felt, you know, that you should notice a dead dog like me. It's a terrible phrase to use about yourself, isn't it? But what happened was uh, David then said, no, you're going to be with me. You're going to eat with me every day. And so from then on, Mephibosheth and his 35 others. So you think you've got a big family, Jane. He took on 36 people. don't know what you're complaining about. And so 36 people he adopted into his family and uh, took them in. And Mephibosheth was there, and it said over, you'll notice it says it a few times within the scripture, that every day he ate at the king's table. Now my question to you is this, if you were Mephibosheth, you're crippled in both feet, you've had this background, but for the rest of your life, you're sitting with the king and his sons, you're eating the best food, and you've probably got gold goblets and all the rest, what do you think is going to happen to the self-esteem of Mephibosheth over the rest of his life? What's going to happen to his confidence, to his stature, to his sense of value? And it doesn't say in scripture, but you can only imagine that actually he saw himself as the son of the king by the end of this chapter. And that's the amazing progression that happens with fostering adoption, because you're actually taking someone around your table to sit at the table with you, and you're treating them equally, and so they become part of the family they receive the same value as everyone else. And you don't have to teach them the principles. They see it because they're eating with you day by day, just like Mephibosheth did here. And so it's an amazing story, I think, of how fostering and adoption worked back here in 2 Samuel 9 and how it works uh, today. We created this um, Families for 40 uh, campaign. And as I say, 46 people come forward. But it is a real challenge. I... I'll share with you just uh, one of the children I have. I had the delight of Peppa Pig World. Has anyone been there here? A few of you. Uh, So in the summer, we we have a young child, uh, uh, two children who come to us, who because they've been uh, severely neglected over the past couple of years, they're two and three years old, uh, they don't speak. So it's very upsetting for me the three-year-old doesn't speak. Uh, hardly at all. You just mutter a few starts of words or ends of words, but not actual words. And um, so she bumped her head on one time she was with us, and um, but she couldn't describe it. So she couldn't say where she done it, how she done it, and that's a bad thing because you got as Fosco you you got to write notes, haven't you? You got to say where it happened, when it happened, and uh, we didn't know, and we couldn't get anything out of her to say. Uh, but what we found is, if you do anything to do with Peppa Pig, she does try and speak. Because she's very excited about Peppa Pig. She loves Peppa Pig. She wears top. So uh, we bought her, I bought her a little uh, Peppa Pig push chair. You know the things they, they push around. I should have bought it. You could have played with it today. Uh, so I bought her there. So, uh, so when she arrived with us, she saw that. And immediately she's trying to speak. She's so excited about this. When we took her to Peppa Pig World, uh, and we, there's a big sign, isn't there? Welcome to Peppa, Peppa Pig World. She's literally jumping up and down with excitement and uh, trying to express herself. And over time, you know, her words will come. So she's having some speech therapy uh, to help her out. But we've got to find ways of uh, undoing some of the history she's had over the last three years. The plan is she will go back with her parents. You know, that is the long-term plan, you know, that that will happen. So there's got to be support and help to get her to a place where she's speaking well, she's interacting. uh, You know, her eye contact isn't there at all. And so she's got a long way to go to actually meet where she should be she's probably two years behind on development Uh, and so there's a long way to go for her but we are part of her process of seeing her grow into all that God has to be I think when we prayed as church leaders back this time last year wasn't it someone read out to us the statistics about kids who are in care that they're more likely to go to jail they're less likely to get grades they're more likely to be unwell through health issues It was awful, wasn't it? The statistics were were poor. John and I were there. And uh, we prayed as church leaders, well, actually, God has promised that they would have a hope and a future in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And so our belief is not that a child will follow the statistics, but will follow God's course for their life. And we as Christians, you know, have a really important part to play in that, to be foster families, to be adoptive parents, or to support those who are taking on that challenge and that cool. Um, so I have got uh, a little website I put together familiesfor40.org.uk and um, you can read more about fostering and adoption there if you'd like to know any more I think for going back to John's challenge you know what are the challenges and what are the highlights for us it is seeing children really appreciate um, some great things you know some great days that we've had taking children to the zoo for the first time uh, taking them to Peppa Pig World the joys of Ninky Nonk, which I know nothing about. If anyone knows about these things, some strange TV program exists these days. So, for us, we've had to regress a bit because our kids are a bit older; they're secondary school now. So we're working with younger ones on the fostering side. So it's a real joy uh, looking after children that, at that age. And the challenge is, is really just seeing what parents can do to another ch- to their children. I think that saddens you know us all to see what happens and. Many times that's through a circle, isn't it? That that's been their experience as children, and that's been the way they've then treated their children. And the cycle can continue. And I think part of our thing is, is praying that actually we break into the circles of re- repeated uh, neglect and abuse to bring about God's hope and life and transformation uh, that then goes on for generations and generations and generations uh, that they see uh, God's family uh, and God's family values brought into their family and repeated generation after generation after generation. So uh, that's, that's it for me, I think. So I hope that's useful. Um, ask yourself that question, who can you show the kindness of God to day by day? Thank you.